0: Hey there. I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another episode of t for c If you like food, whether eating out or cooking at home, and you like to write, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest, has one of the more coveted jobs in the food writing industry. But before I introduce you to Joe Yonan, I want to make sure that you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's Time for Coffee's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays and gives you a private window into the episodes and the professionals we're going to be featuring that week. And it is super easy to do. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at Time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there on the homepage. Now, my aspiring food writers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated beverage, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Joe Yonan, the food and dining editor of the Washington Post, where he's responsible for supervising all food coverage in the features department. Joe is also the author of the upcoming Cool Beans, due out in February 2020, and we'll make sure to have a link to the book in our show notes. He also writes the Post's Weeknight Vegetarian column, and for five years he wrote the Cooking for One column, both of which have won honors from the Association of Food Journalists. Joe was a food writer and travel section editor at the Boston Globe before he moved to D.C. in 2006 to edit the post-food section. Joe, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go?
1: <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. I have to find out what kind of coffee does the food and dining editor of the Washington Post like to
1: brew? That's a, such a great question. I actually drink matcha in the mornings now oh, um, for the too. last few years. Yeah. So I get caffeinated with matcha, which I love. I drink coffee occasionally, but I broke my morning coffee addiction a few years ago.
0: Okay. All right. Well, matcha is yummy too, and especially like a matcha latte. Exactly. So let's dive right into our 10 espresso shots The first question of which is, what entry-level jobs are available to young people who want to break into the food writing industry?
1: A few things. I would say freelance writing is a big one that can get you noticed, that can get you clips, and that can get you more assignments, which can hopefully lead to a staff job. On staffs, I would say the most common entry-level jobs are things like editorial aid which we have here at The Post, which is a great way to get exposed to a lot of the things that we do to support our work and to certainly do some writing when you can.
0: Great. Now, I know, of course, you work for one of the best known national newspapers in the country, but I know that there are also a lot of digital publications and websites that are growing by the week. Do you have any that you would recommend our young people kind of seek out as a stepping stone, or maybe even as a place where they want to continue their career for a period of time?
1: Sure. In food writing, certainly one of the bigger ones that's out there and that's available in a lot of smaller markets is Eater and the network of Eater sites. They have a national site, but they have a lot of city sites too, and they need freelancers who are willing to write. I think, for not a huge fee about local restaurants and dining trends. There's also the Edible Network of Publications, which is, I think, doing a really good job. They have a network of print publications, but they also have a growing digital imprint. There's actually so many more.
0: Great. What about a useful skill or skills, Joe, that you look for in the young people that you hire at The Post?
1: Certainly clear and efficient communication is at the top of the list. High energy, we call it, you know, high metabolism, you know, the ability to think quickly on your feet, to move from one project to another, to multitask, certainly writing ability. And I am always drawn to people who have a good sense of humor because I think that we might as well try to have some fun while we can. I'm
0: guessing every day is fun when you're a food and dining editor. Come on.
1: (laughs) Some days are less fun than others, but the baseline is probably fairly high. Yeah.
0: (laughs) yeah. I'm kind of teasing you, but I would think, you know, a bad day would be like, okay, you had a bad meal, right? Okay. Or maybe the computer broke or something like that. What about life experiences, Joe? And this is Outside the classroom, what do you think are the most useful ones that a young person could try to have in a way to give them a leg up on the competition as they start out in this field?
1: Yeah, I think travel is one of the most important ones, if at all possible, even if it's not super ambitious around the world trips or something. Even just traveling in America and seeing different cities and different communities and the way that people think and different cultures. You can learn so much when you travel. Certainly, cooking and or eating. (laughs) Everyone eats, but I think an open-minded approach to eating and perhaps cooking, even if you don't have much money or you don't have a family yet, even just trying to cook for yourself. I think those experiences really help you when you're going into food writing
0: terrific what about someone's major is it a deciding factor to get into your profession and i recognize we're calling it food writing but at its heart you're a journalist so right. in other words if they haven't studied journalism or creative writing or english literature is it a deal breaker
1: no absolutely not i think there are a lot of different ways to get experience as a budding journalist and Certainly studying journalism is one way, but there are a lot of others too. So no, it's not a deal breaker.
0: And I'm also thinking, Joe, I would imagine as a food writer having an anthropologic background or a history background or civilization, whatever cultural background would only add to the texture of the kind of stories that you put together.
1: That's right. That's right. And I think journalism in general, you'll find a lot of people who maybe studied political science or economics or, yes, or history. I studied, in addition to journalism, I studied American studies when I was in college, and it was really helpful as I was going into my field.
0: What about a graduate school degree? And this is less so for someone early in their career. It's, I suppose, you know, as... This industry of journalism evolves, and you see more and more startups, especially on the internet and apps. Do you think there are other grad school degrees that might be useful to have for somebody to tap into later in their career?
1: I mean, I certainly think a culinary degree is an interesting thing for budding food writers to think about. I got a culinary degree, and it was very helpful to me. Again, it's not the only way that you can get exposed to that kind of information, but I really appreciated it. And it really enriched my thinking about food and my exposure to a lot of foods around the world in addition to classical ways of cooking them. And I found it very helpful. It just gave me sort of the vocabulary that I wanted to have in order to do more sophisticated and deeper interviews with chefs.
0: Yeah. And I would think it would also add to the credibility that you're bringing to those interviews with the chefs.
1: Right. Right.
0: What degree did you get, by the way? Where did you go to school?
1: I went to the Cambridge School of Culinary Arts outside Boston, and I got a professional chef's diploma. It's a year-long, pretty intense program. And I did it while I was working on the night copy desk at the Boston Globe. So I, I cooked and you know went to lectures and spent days in the kitchen during the day. And then I went to the Boston Globe at night. They were pretty long days, but it was really fun.
0: I was just going to say, when did you sleep?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I didn't sleep a lot that year.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. So what is the best part for you, Joe, of being in the food writing industry?
1: I think definitely it's a chance to work on so many different projects and to meet so many different kinds of people. There's a kind of famous cartoon about journalism that has a guy waking up in the morning and he's facing a big dartboard. At the top of the dartboard, it says, Today I am an expert in, and he's throwing a dart at the board and it's got everything from, you know, water and sewer commission policy to homicide to music. And that's what journalism can be like if you're a generalist, which I love. But even when you get more specific into something like food writing, you realize that there are so many different ways to look at the topic of food. It cuts across cultures and history. It's about business, it's about personal finance, it's about family history, it's about culture, it's about art, it's about really everything. It's about justice, sometimes about racial issues. It just, it really can touch on every aspect of the world. So that's my favorite thing about being in the profession is just the chance to really look at the world through so many different aspects of it.
0: Oh my gosh. As a former journalist, You're making me miss the profession either. (laughs) And I, I should have asked you this question earlier, Joe, but is there a difference between writing about food and being a food critic or a restaurant critic?
1: Absolutely. A restaurant critic is primarily writing reviews of restaurants and sometimes other things. I think some of the best reviews often pull in you know, more context and delve into other issues other than just what's on the plate. But there are so many other kinds of food writers out there, people who do restaurant trends, home cooking trends, there's food science, there's really recipe development, there's profiles of not just chefs and restaurant people, but farmers, small food producers, people who just have even just made an impact in their community through food in whatever way. So there's a lot of different types of writing that you can do in food that don't involve reviewing restaurants.
0: Thank you so much for that explanation. So as we know, every job and every career has a flip side. (laughs) even someone who is a food and dining editor at the Washington Post. So what is the part of your current job, Joe, that sucks the most?
1: (laughs) I would say some of the administrative aspects of the job, certainly budgets, emails, handling a mountain of pitches from public relations professionals and from freelance writers. I think that is the part of the job that sucks the most because sometimes I just feel like I could spend all of my time answering emails and then I wouldn't actually have time to do any actual editing as in changing up people's words. <laughs> <laughs> right,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> and it can just get overwhelming and I feel terrible that I'm not able to get back to people more quickly or sometimes at all. So that's the part that I hate the most.
0: Fair enough. enough. So Joe, what is the best career advice you've ever got?
1: Do what makes you happy and it doesn't feel like work. Do something that you're really passionate about, that you just, you know, love the subject matter or the activity, or, you know, I'm thinking about food writing, of course, and food editing right now, but I think this could be true really in almost any profession. If you do something that really jazzes you up all the time, it doesn't feel as much like work. Now, certainly there's days when you're still, like who among us doesn't love having extra time off and vacations and dream about retirement and all that kind of thing. But it just makes the day go so much faster if you're really interested in what you're doing.
0: Yeah, and it feels meaningful to you. Right. So two final espresso shots. What movies, if any, or for that matter, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon shows, or (laughs) fiction books do you think accurately depict this profession?
1: It's interesting. I think there are more accurate depictions of journalism in general than there are of food writing. The, The depictions of food writing, I think, are few and far between, and they do tend to focus solely on the restaurant critic as a character. But I would say when it comes to journalism generally, I'm a big fan of Spotlight the movie about the Boston Globe and the years that its spotlight team was investigating the Catholic Church over the child sexual abuse allegations and scandal, I think what it showed so wonderfully really is what it takes to actually be an effective journalist, that it's so much less glamorous than people think, that there's so much really very detailed, sometimes drudge work, honestly, that can lead you to stories and information. So that's my favorite.
0: I love that movie too. And I think it also shows the seriousness Mm -hmm. that most of the people in your profession take their job and take the stories that they're writing to ensure that the sourcing is up to the highest quality and the facts are all there and that the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely.
0: So final espresso shot, what would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your profession as a food writer?
1: We touched on this a little bit earlier, but the first thing that really comes to mind because it's so common is the fact that we're not all food critics. (laughs) We're not all restaurant critics. A very typical interaction for me at a dinner party or a, any kind of event where I don't know people and they ask what I do. And I tell them that I'm the food editor at the Washington Post. And they always say, wow, it must be amazing to go into all those restaurants and write about them. And I say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not the critic. I'm the critic's boss. I edit everything that he does and it goes in the section. And they say... So what is it like for you to wear disguises? (laughs) (laughs) No, they don't. Yes, they do. They do. It's very hard for people to understand really what a food editor even does. They assume that the only thing that I must be caring about are restaurants. And that is a big part of what we do. But there's so much more. I don't want to be a food critic. I'm not really cut out for that. I like to cook for myself too much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to be eating out all the time.
1: No, I mean, I do. Certainly, my husband and I eat out a few times a week, but more than a few times a week, I get cranky.
0: <laughs> I'm like you, Joe. I am all about cooking at home. And yeah. Thank you for that excellent tease because for our listeners, check out the show notes to see if Joe's main time for coffee interview in which we are going to dig into what he does do in his day job at the Washington Post and how he built his career, if you want to learn more about that. Joe, thank you so much for making time for coffee today, time for matcha tea with me and the Time for Coffee community. This was just wonderful.
1: It was my pleasure. Now I'm a little jittery from the 10 espresso shots, but I'll be okay.
0: Oh, okay. You know what? (laughs) That was a good one. (laughs)